Welcome back to another episode of the Leading Saints podcast. If you've enjoyed content on this podcast, it's important that I tell you about the Leading Saints newsletter that we send out every week. This newsletter keeps you up to date on all the current Leading Saints content releases, including podcasts, articles, online events, and even live events that might be happening in your own area. In this newsletter, we also recommend some past episodes and written articles that you don't want to miss. Each week, we include additional leadership perspectives and thoughts that you can only find in the weekly newsletter, so you definitely don't want to miss out. To subscribe to the weekly newsletter, simply text the word LEAD to 474747 or visit leadingsaints.org slash subscribe. Again, text the word LEAD to 474747 or visit leadingsaints.org slash subscribe so you don't miss any future Leading Saints content. Welcome back to the Leading Saints podcast. My name is Kurt Frankum, your usual host. I don't know who else you'd find on here. Anyways, I want to welcome you. If you're new to Leading Saints, you're here. You've made it. Okay, there's a lot of episodes to go through, but it's all right. You'll get through them one at a time. But if uh, you're not so familiar with Leading Saints, we are a nonprofit organization dedicated to helping Latter-day Saints be better prepared to lead. And we do that through a lot of methods. One of the biggest ones, most popular ones, is this podcast, the Leading Saints podcast. We also have a phenomenal website at leadingsaints.org. We have virtual summits we do from time to time. We have articles that are published on our website. We have newsletters that go out every week. So make sure you're connected to all those things and uh, you won't miss anything by going to leadingsaints.org slash subscribe. There is, that's where it all is. So this is a How I Lead segment. We typically aim for the first Wednesday of each month to uh, record something like this that uh, we can uh, focus on a specific calling. We go out and find individuals serving in those specific callings, and then we just simply ask them, how is it that you lead? And they bring out uh, principles and concepts and ideas, experiences they've done in the past that have really helped them succeed at their calling. And this week, or this month, we are focusing on public affairs representatives. Is that what, public affairs specialists? I don't know what the title it is now. And I think they even changed like communications committee or council or director, whatever it is. But I think you generally know what I'm talking about when I say public affairs, unless you're in Utah, where we really don't do a good job with this calling because, well, Latter-day Saints are very saturated here, right? But there is, that's no excuse, okay? I hope if you are in Utah, you're listening to this, that you'll find out who your public affairs rep is and ask them, hey, how can I help? So there's a few, they typically just do two interviews per How I Lead segment, but this time you're getting a bonus episode or a bonus segment on the How I Lead segment. So we first interviewed Joe and Linda Musso when I had the opportunity to visit Pueblo, Colorado. I think that was last year sometime. And so I've been holding on to this interview for a while. So if it sounds outdated or if we say something like we have no understanding of pandemics, that type of thing, that's just because we recorded it long ago. And then, so they, they share their great work they're doing in Pueblo, Colorado and in public affairs. And then recently, I had the opportunity to go out and visit Rick McGee and uh, his stake and ward in Springfield, Missouri. And Rick was kind enough to invite me out there, fly me out there, allow me to stay in an extra bedroom, and we did some phenomenal interviews. But my primary reason of going out there was to interview him, and that we were able to capture, and it was phenomenal. But while I was there, he said, hey, you've got to meet Deanna Carpenter 
She does some phenomenal things, not necessarily as a public affairs individual or on the, the council, the communications council, but she is doing a service missionary there, quite unique. It came from an inspired stake president in the area who uh, thought this would be really helpful and it has it really helped the community. And she gives some phenomenal principles and perspectives that would help any public affairs individual, rep, specialist, whatever we're calling them. So it's a long episode, but if you're in public affairs, you can binge on this and you will definitely appreciate every minute of it. So here is my interview with Joe and Linda Musso, Rick McGee, and Deanna Carpenter. Today, I am in Pueblo, Colorado, sitting down at the table with Linda Musso. How are you? Good, thanks. Now, Joe's here as well, her, her husband. She's going to maybe elbow her every once in a while with a suggestion or idea, but say hi, Joe. Hi. No, all right, there you are. You're, you're on the record now. So, <laughs> Now, Linda, you are the Director of Public Affairs for the Pueblo Stake. There's one stake in this, this area, and I guess it's about, uh, what, 45 minutes south of Colorado Springs. Is that accurate? Correct. And uh, you also sir, uh, you are the Just Serve Specialist as well. So you have all sorts of, of titles in the stake, but I'm sure they've been a blessing for you. They have. Yeah. They have. Awesome. So I, I just want to talk about, uh, this is sort of a, how, what we call a how I lead interview. And we're just going to talk about uh, your experience here doing, uh, you know, with public affairs and, and Just Serve and, and share ideas, stories, and maybe those listening will be inspired with some of those uh, those stories as well. So how did this calling come to be for you? The stake president just just called me and asked me to do it. Yeah. And we had the privilege of introducing Just Serve to the Pueblo State. Oh, wow. And so I was trained by someone in Colorado Springs who did just a great job and was enthusiastic. And we went from there and the members jumped on board. And That's great. It's been, we've been doing it for about four or five years. Oh, great. So lots of uh, experiences and stories to, that, have, that have built up. That have, yes. Yeah. That's great. Um, so we're, you know, implementing Just Serve and, and even just with public affairs, uh, when you began, did you, um, where did you even begin to start with this calling? Well, reading what information there was available on mm -hmm. it, it was new. It was fairly new at yeah. that time. And so it depended on my trainer, Brian Searing, for most of the information. And then you just have to get out there and do it. Yeah. So we approached different businesses and nonprofits and government agencies just looking for people who needed help, expecting to feel some pushback because it was a church-sponsored program, but there was none. Yeah. There was none. They were just anxious to work together and see that good things could happen in our community. Yeah. Were there specific needs that were obvious right at the beginning that you wanted to possibly address? Not really, because not having been immersed in that part of our community, we just kind of went through a list and started thinking about who might need volunteers, and they all do. Yeah. And then, and that was primarily finding volunteers through the Just Serve effort, right? Right. Yeah. And Joe mentioned something before we, we hit record here that, you know, with as far as the public affairs goes, you really had to be intentional of staying apolitical and, and not letting the politics of, of the community come, come into play too much, but just being a representative there to serve and, and to make a difference. Maybe explain that dynamic. Absolutely. In public affairs, the goal is to build relationships with community leaders. And so there's a lot of different ways to do that and a lot of different suggestions on how to do that. But we found that by finding a common interest, a common problem, 
and going to those leaders with possible solutions and offering to help that, you know, feeding the hungry and clothing the poor and those sort of things have no political agenda. They have no, you know, there's no other agenda just to be good and to try to help people. Yeah. And then as far as like reaching out to various communities and and I'm sure other maybe religious leaders that are trying to accomplish similar goals, any process you went about in effectively doing that? Most of those have developed most recently. Hmm. What really happened was that we had always planned to go on a mission, and it was time that, that things had freed up so that we might be able to do that. However, there were some family health issues that said, no, we can't do that hmm. right now. And so we figured that we had the time and the health, and we, we should just do something. And we decided to put just our whole effort into public affairs and just serve and kind of do it full time. Yeah. And see what would happen in the community. And so it's not a mission. It's just with the blessing and under the leadership of the stake presence, we, and Joe is, of course, the, the stake high councilman that works with public affairs and just serves. So we've always worked together on all of this. We just went forward. And as we got more immersed in solving a problem, more and more and more opportunities opened up to meet public officials and different churches. Yeah, that's great. Because we had been working on this for several years, and the members had been so generous with with their efforts, when a nonprofit had a need, they would often call us, and we would relay that to the members, and they would come through. For instance, Pueblo has a real problem with homelessness, and last winter there were there was no warming shelter. There are no shelters in Pueblo. And last winter, there wasn't even a warming shelter. And so under a crisis like that, what we did was we put a plea out to members to help with items that they needed to open a temporary one that the county and the city were able to fund, but there wasn't enough. And Mm -hmm. the urgency was now. It was freezing cold now. And so our state president reached out to Salt Lake, and they generously through the humanitarian department, sent a semi full of cots and food and toiletries and things that homeless people would need to survive the winter, even with the warmth of the homeless shelter. And to see everybody in the community working side by side and the publicity that came from TV and and the newspaper as things like that happened, it really opened a lot of doors for us then to go forward. Yeah. And that's uh, interesting that, you know, being in a large, you know, urban area like Salt Lake City, I mean, shelters are just sort of assumed that there's a shelter somewhere. And and Pueblo is still, I looked it up on Google just a couple, I think just yesterday, there's like 115,000 people here. I mean, that's no little podunk town by any means. So there's probably a lot of need and with no shelter, that's where the community and, and individuals like yourself can really make a difference. And maybe tell the story about how you, how you got the idea of of addressing as far as creating showers and, and some of those things? Well, so the problem with homeless just didn't go away when the winter was over, Yeah, but they closed the warming shelter, and so now there are no facilities in Pueblo for, for the homeless. There are a few places that work with families, or there's one place, a soup kitchen, that does a noon meal, and that's it. So we looked around at what really the needs were, 
and realized that there was no place for them to clean up. And how could they ride a bus or even go to a doctor's office or to a mental health place? Or how, how could you do anything if you knew that you smelled really bad and mm. you looked really bad and your clothes were really dirty because you'd slept in the dirt last night? Yeah. And so we started to focus on showers. Actually, we just started to focus on homelessness and started to make a list of things that would help them most. And we went to one of the county commissioners, made an appointment, sat down with the county commissioner and, and said, we're really concerned as citizens about homelessness. And here are some ideas we have. How can we help? And he said, well, first of all, I want you to be on the, on the community homeless and housing, homelessness and housing commission. Oh, wow. And we talked some more, and, and then the next meeting, we talked more about what we might do and presented the idea of the showers and, and that. And as we were leaving, I pulled out a Just Serve card and handed it to him and said, and this is something else we do related to our church, and told him about Just Serve. And I was into it about two sentences, and he said, so I want you to come tomorrow to the county commissioner's meeting and do a presentation on this Just Serve thing. I think it would really be helpful. <laughs> so wow. we went and did a presentation, and I did a crummy job. I, well. <laughs> I really didn't do a very good job at all. But immediately, right there at the meeting, the commissioner said, okay, here's what we need to do. We need to send an email to every county employee and send them the information on this site and ask them to register. And they put up. Just their posters all over the county building, the county courthouse and everything, and really immersed the county in that effort. Um, we just built a lot of friendships, and they happened to have the newspaper there for their county commission meeting, and they jumped on it and did an article about Just Serve. And then a week later, that was on like the front page. Mm -hmm. they, really, they really did a nice job of presenting Just Serve. And about a week later, someone did an editorial about Just Serve saying what a, what a great service it was to the community and thanking the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints for that gift. Wow. That's, that's huge. I mean, that's exactly what you want to happen in the public affairs, right? Exactly. Wow. So, so by finding a project that was meaningful and needed in the community, it gave us a way to talk to that county commissioner. And it just started opening door after door after door. After that, as we presented the plan for a shower trailer and a laundry trailer that could go to the communities where the homeless live and help them with hygiene, mm -hmm. we were able to visit with uh, the city council. Joe did a beautiful presentation for the city council. Then we were invited to meet with the mayor personally and sit down with him and talk with him. And of course, when we're on a personal level, we were associated in all of this, not with the church. We didn't present this as a church project, but because of our association with one of the nonprofits called Cooperative Care, on a personal level, this was all going through Cooperative Care. But everybody knew who we were. Hmm. And so as we talked with the mayor, we talked on Cooperative Care's shower project. But we were also able to talk about genealogy and just serve and and we and he introduced ourselves as members and so even though it's not a church project, 
really related to the church at all. They know our relationship with it as members, and it gives us the opportunity to meet so many people and have so many doors open. Yeah. Wow, that's fantastic. So this the shower trailer idea, did it start with this cooperative care organization? And then you jumped on board and helped them bring it to fruition or, or supported it nonetheless? Kind of the other way around. Oh, okay. Kind of. We developed a plan, and Joe presented it to the Cooperative Care Board, which he's the vice president of, and they jumped on board, and so we've helped them spread the word as Cooperative Care Outreach Volunteers. But see how being a volunteer in the community and working directly with organizations in the community as just citizens, as just members, affects public affairs and just serve and allows us to really fulfill our calling and serve the Lord and spread His love of people. Yeah, I think that's such a powerful example of just yeah. connecting, you know, being connecting with organizations and and approaching them not necessarily as you know church representatives that, that you know I'm the the director of public affairs, but I'm just a local citizen that wants to help and I may have some resources that I can bring to the table as well. So let's talk about it, right? And that's really the secret of it. You don't always have to you know, approach it with a, with a badge, an official badge of anything. Exactly. Exactly. Just people. Mm -hmm. And we want to connect with other like-minded people in the community that want to make good things happen. The same kind of thing happened when cooperative care every year has a feed the 5,000 food drive. Uh And, and they've been doing that for years and years and years. And this year, Joe suggested that we take it to individual churches and ask them participate at a congregation level. And so he said, I want to go to some of the churches we don't usually approach. And so we got to visit with the Seventh-day Adventists Hmm. and the leader of the Catholic Church in the area and the rabbi from the Jewish church and They were all so grateful and so excited to be a part of a community thing. In fact, here's one of my favorite stories. Pastor Anton is just come from New York City and is the new pastor of the Seventh-day Adventist Church here in town. Joe made an appointment with him, and we went and met him, and he was delightful, and we were expecting like a 10-minute meeting with him to tell him about Feed the 5,000. But when he made the appointment, he actually left a message on his phone, and then, and then Pastor Anton called back. Well, when we got there, he said, I want to tell you something. Just that morning, I had been on my knees asking Heavenly Father to help me know how to connect with the community and how I might be able to become a part of the community and serving. And there was a message on my phone hmm. from this person inviting wow. Yeah, he listened to the message three times before he responded because he was just so grateful and overcome. Wow. The Lord works in wonderful ways with all of his children. Yeah. And so we were there for several hours and <laughs> had a whole tour and talked about a lot of things. And of course, we were there representing cooperative care for the food drive, but he knew immediately when we introduced ourselves as members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, he said, oh, I hope you introduce yourselves to everyone like that. Hmm. You know? Yeah. He just recognized the power yeah. in that. And so he's on board, and we've developed a, a really, really strong friendship there. 
that we're going to develop not only with with the food drive, but we'll be approaching them about other ways that they can help, like with the showers and and we're going to do a community nativity display this year for the first time, and he'll be one that will help us with that. And so it's just opened a lot of yeah. doors. So I want to, um, you mentioned the nativity because I, I notice uh, around the country, I, I assume around the world, uh, public affairs, uh, the nativity thing is always something that they try and do in some way. I've talked with the public affairs individual in, uh, I believe it was in San Diego area where they have a parade like on the ocean. And so one of the floats they did was a floating nativity, a live nativity, you know, so every area has a unique approach to it. any, any unique approach or how, how are you going to do the nativity? Have, have you gotten that far in your plans? We have. In fact, for the last five years, we have done a Messiah presentation with the community choir and orchestra in our state building. And we have a wonderful musician, Sister Mary Marble, who has been in the Tabernacle Choir. And she's just amazing. And so she's already begun to develop community ties through that effort. So we're going to combine the nativity with that and especially work with including others not of our church yeah. to be involved in that. Oh, that's powerful. Be great activity. So I want to make sure, I don't want to go to glaze over the uh, the shower trailer and how that works. So is this something like, did somebody actually build this trailer here or how, uh, how did the actually come, the pieces come together so that you could then, and then, and now it goes around, like, how does it work? A lot, a lot of research. Joe, we have been in the travel trailer mobile home business in the past. And so Joe knows how those things work and mm-hmm. knows who to go to. And, but the people in California who I told you about, who first thought of the problem with homeless being unable to get clean, Mm -hmm. they developed a whole plan on how to do a mobile kind of service like Mm -hmm. that. And so they've had a lot of direction. And Joe went looking for different manufacturers. They recommended some and he's pursued others. And we're just now have, we have around, we need about 300 and what is it? $39,000 for the trailer and a truck and and also a laundry trailer because how awful is it to put on dirty clothes? Yeah, after you showered, yeah. Yeah. And right now we have almost 200000 of that. Oh, okay. So it's coming right along in the city and the county and United Way and Chaffa lot agencies. That we haven't had any pushback from anyone. No matter how they feel about homelessness or what they see as the reason for it, Everyone is compassionate about some of the human needs. Yeah, yeah. So Joe pursued that and he's getting it narrowed down and we're just about ready to order. Wow. That's great. So, so this uh, resource, is there, do they have a, this organization in California that did it? Do they have like a website or something? Absolutely. You can go to? It's called Lava May, L-A-V-A and then capital M-A-E. Okay. And it's a, it's a great resource to look up and then they will help you. They have a 44-page online how to do it book. Oh wow. That's free. Wow, that's Their great. Their goal is just to help others. Nice. And then you you raise the money locally to within the community and then once you have the the money the funds secured then you can move forward to put absolutely. it together. Absolutely. Absolutely. Wow. And in the meantime, the county came to us because we said, "Well, we have to take care of these folks in the meantime, you know, yeah. while we're raising the money." And so one of the county commissioners, the one we originally met with, they acquired a new building 
a new gymnasium that has five bathrooms in it, including Mm. a shower in each private, really nice bathroom. And they aren't quite ready to develop it into a rec center. So he called us and said, what about this? And so now we're doing temporary showers at that facility. Oh, great. So in the meantime, you still have a location. We have a location and members and the community have just outpoured. There's been such an outpouring of donations of new underwear and socks and toiletries and towels and all the things that you might, that we could possibly need. And the real stories are when you're there with the homeless people and you get to talk to them. Mm -hmm. And one of them says, yeah, this is really, really special because when you smell like an animal, when you stink like an animal, you feel like an animal. Mm. Another one said, I haven't had a shower in three weeks. Thank you so much. Wow. And uh, the gratitude and the behavior is perfect. They're just so grateful. And you see them as human beings, not as misfits. Yeah, that's powerful. Uh, Joe, what do you think? Where should we head next? You got some good notes over there. I don't want to, I don't want to ignore them. So (laughs) I would talk about Father Joseph. He is in charge of the deanery and the deanery is for the Catholic church in our area about like what a stake president would be. Okay. And we went over for a five minute appointment just to talk to him about, about helping us with, with uh, feeding the 5,000. And it turned into an hour and a half, at which time we went through and he showed us his entire church and he showed us what he was doing. And they're blessing so many lives by their little pantry that they've got for food and for clothing and stuff like that. He showed us a couple of needs that they had over there as far as just uh, they have a community garden. Hmm. And Linda says, what if we came and helped you clean up the community garden? And he says, I really appreciate that because there was a man there that was taking care of this that is my age and and had his hands full with him and his wife doing it. And so we were able to have some of our great missionaries go over just last week. And we had eight of them and Linda and I, and we went and, and rototilled their garden and, and got it all cleaned up. But in the meantime, we're also in a position where we get to talk to all of his priests or whoever it is in charge of, of each one of those churches. And we're going to talk to them about not only the the shower trailer, but feeding the 5,000, and they're going to participate in, in a food drive with us there. And, and that you don't have to be special. You just have to do something. Yeah. And and you find out that, that Heavenly Father's opens those doors for you to to let you take care of his children no matter what color they are or what denomination they are or, or where they're at in this world, you yeah. know, that there's there's ways that, that Heavenly Father has doors open for everybody. And, and it's been a real eye-opener, I think, for all of us. Yeah, you know, yeah we, that's powerful. get a chance to participate. And what I love about your particular circumstance and story is I know that there's probably stake presence out there listening where there's a couple or two in their stake that – that really want to serve a mission, but maybe from whatever circumstance, health or something else that they're just not able to. And to take this, these, these roles as, you know, as director of public affairs and just serve. And, and again, it's not a, you know, quote unquote mission per se, but you can take it as one of those couples and say, Hey, why don't you focus your majority of your time on this and really make it flourish? And like 
your stories here and, and your experience has really shown that that's been the case and it's been a great blessing for, for both of you, just like a mission would be, right? It's certainly been a great blessing for us yeah. as far as Linda and I and, and, and so fulfilling, yeah. so fulfilling and fun. And, you know, Linda said, well, well, when do you know that, that you've broken through that barrier as far as Protestants and Catholics and everybody all being together and, and, and accepting maybe you as a, as a Latter-day Saint? And I had to think for a minute, and I said, you know, I said, I think the time came when, when I was sitting at cooperative care, and they have a prayer meeting every morning, and there's about 30 volunteers that are there to open up cooperative care and to help the, the needy. And in their prayer meeting, they sit there and go around the room and, and they talk about needs that they have and what they can do for the people and this, that, and the other. And I was sitting or standing there and we're all in a big circle. And, and then the, the leader of it turns to me and says, would you pray? Hmm. And uh, that was probably one, one of the highlights of our entire experience is just the fact that, that you know that, that they know now that we're Christians. Yeah. They know now that we pray to to a heavenly Father, that we have a relationship with our heavenly Father, that we He loves us and that we love Him, and that we look to our Savior as our Savior and and the atoning sacrifice that was made on our behalf. And what a wonderful message that is to be able to get out to people that sometimes I think question, yeah, or or don't know for sure where we stand as far as as the gospel is concerned. Yeah. Wow, that's powerful. Well, Linda, I'm going to give you the, the final word here. I want, uh, the last question I have is as you've had opportunity to serve you know, as Director of Public Affairs and, and uh, specializing as well in the, the Just Serve program, how has leading in this way made you a better follower of Jesus Christ? Because you have to lean on Him completely. And you know that inspiration comes and these little tender mercies and miracles that we experience come only because of his direction. And dealing with the agencies and the governments and, and the people that we meet, we see so many different kinds of Heavenly Father's children, and it just makes you love them more, touches your heart, and then you can't help but want to do more and serve more. But it, it isn't about my calling in public affairs or just serve. It's about our calling as followers of Jesus Christ. And anyone can do anything that we've done. We're not special. All right, today I find myself in Springfield, Missouri with Rick McGee. How are you, Rick? Oh, I'm doing great, Kurt. So great to have you here. Yeah, this has been fun because... We should tell a little bit about how I ended up here in your home in Springfield, Missouri when, I mean, it's not like you're down the street from me, but, you know, I've been trying to put together how I lead episode about uh, public affairs. And we met originally in person at the uh, the Wild at Heart boot camp or the uh, Warrior Heart boot camp that, that uh, back, uh, I guess that was about a year ago. And yeah. you had told me all these things that you've been doing with public affairs here. So when I thought, man, I should reach out to Rick. And see if he'll do an interview. And so I was planning to do it on Zoom. And you said, well, hey, why don't you just fly out here? You know, I'll fly out here and we'll we'll record something. I'm going to introduce you to other people. And here I am. And it worked out and it's been fun. We're, we're just wrapping that the last couple of days up. So Yeah, absolutely. It's been awesome. 
if anybody's worried about Kurt moving out here to Missouri, it's not a sign or anything. <laughs> right. It's okay to still live in Utah, right? That's right. <laughs> but yeah, I would love to live out here though. It's beautiful. I mean, this is just a remarkable place and uh, it's almost as if the Garden of Eden could be out here. That's how beautiful it is. Absolutely. You know? <laughs> well, I'm glad you've come out. It's been a fun couple of days. Yeah. And, and if anybody's listening out there, like I love to do uh, these types of things where, you know, that my in-person interviews are always turn out better than, than others. So if there is people out there who uh, have a group of people that I could interview or whatever, let's uh, figure out a way to get me out there and uh, we'll, we'll make that happen. But Zoom is also works as well. But so Rick Stanley, um, I mean, you're like the public affairs guy in this area and you have such great ideas and how did you first get into this calling? I mean, did it start out as a calling, but you're sort of a natural networker. I mean, you're always just building relationships, right? Yeah, absolutely. We sell real estate in the area, so we know lots of people. For years, everybody's joked, I'm the Mormon realtor. So as a part <laughs> of the board of realtors and different groups that I'm associated with here locally, we have lots of contacts. And many times people have reached out to me when there's tragedies in the area and asked me to pray for them because they know that we're religious people and that we care about the community. So it's it's been really great to have those relationships. I mean, we're the minority here. There's only about a little less than 2% of us that are members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. So, and there's, uh, we're the home base, like Salt Lake City, to the Assemblies of God and to the, the Baptists. So, we're not just the Bible Belt. We're the buckle. We're yeah. the center of the evangelical movements. And they've got their similar to BYU here. And just so many great people everywhere you go. If you moved here, your neighbors that come over and invite you to their church and uh-huh. the people aren't embarrassed to talk about going to church. So, but long story short, I, I got set apart a couple of years ago. We're now called the Global Communications Network, formerly known Public Affairs. Right. So, I serve lo- currently on the Communications Council as a media specialist. We have a director here and we help travel and train to the six stake areas here in the Southwest Missouri area. So it's a huge geographical area. It takes up about, you know, a quarter of Missouri or whatever uh, down here Southwest. But it all started actually years ago. I was on the same committee just for our stake, probably 20 plus years ago. And we created an event here called Nativity. And I can talk to you a little bit more about what that that was. I was was just asked to put a sign in front of the building and hand out some postcards to some of the local pastors up and down the the street where our church is. So that's kind of where it all began. Yeah. Yeah. I grew awesome. up here, have lots of, you know, friends and family and contacts. And so that's, that's really helped in my assignment. Yeah. And ironically, I just got called to be elders corn president. So welcome to the mission field where you have right. two fun callings. <laughs> and I just begged on my sick and I stay on the communications council because it doesn't take a lot of time. It's just yeah. networking what I'm already doing anyway and visiting and letting people know who we are and uh, some of the media relationships I already had so yeah yeah it makes total sense and and i'm glad you, that you're definitely pushing to, to stay involved there because you do a great job at it so let's jump into some principles here because public affairs can be tricky and and intimidating and you know when you're trying to you know connect with the community and whatnot but you emphasize this and have some great stories around the concept of, of building relationships and really that's at the core of this this calling right yeah absolutely kurt i appreciate you mentioned that I kind of joke sometimes that the church is the best kept secret in Missouri now. As everybody knows, there's been, it's probably been mentioned in Sunday school a couple of times, there were some uh, harsh relationships a few years ago in Missouri. I don't know if you guys ever talked right. about that in Utah yeah, sure. or something. We, yeah, we ran you out. We get it. My family was part of that probably because we were converts later and settled uh-huh. the stake here. So, but basically, there's so many different things. It's several things that, that we were discussing is uh, relationships. We're not necessarily missionaries. We're not here to try to convert people. We're here just to love people. 
what they're doing and the service that they're doing and, and join in with them and let them know we want to be a part of the community. The other big thing is the media relationships. It's not just submitting articles or trying to correct, oh, they still call us Mormons, you know, getting them the style guy, but it's it's having those relationships. So when something does come up about the church, they'll reach out to us. They yeah. won't just do the article automatically. So it's those two or three principles, relationships yeah. with the media, uh, relationships with the members here. So you know who your assets are that you can yeah. utilize. So tell us the, there's a great experience, uh, a meeting that happened with uh, the governor of Missouri. Walk us through that story. Oh yeah. That, that's such an awesome story. I'm glad that you mentioned that. So the director of communications for our area our lieutenant governor, he knew him via his work. He's an insurance agent locally here. And so they had a relationship because of work with the lieutenant governor. And so um, this other person is, he was a public affairs. He's our in, current public affairs director. Okay. And he's an insurance. He's uh, an insurance agent. Correct. And yeah. And so he had a connection with the uh, lieutenant, lieutenant governor. governor. Okay. And he's a really amazing man. Just if you've ever met him or seen him on the news or whatever, he's kind of quiet, just real good Christian man. He grew up kind of down here in Southwest Missouri and um, just really been a, a great asset for us and the church and good example, you know, running, we feel like running our state very well here, but long story short, our, through some political issues, our governor resigned. So automatically this guy's now the governor. Nobody expected him to be the governor. And the great part is, is, you know, our communications director here locally had this relationship with all already, like knew him personally, met him a couple of times. And now all of a sudden, here's an opportunity for us to, and he's on a council with St. Louis and Kansas City as well. So we found out the governor is big fans of Kansas City Chiefs, of course, big Missouri sure. team, yeah, won the Super it's easy Bowl to last be, year. Uh, yeah, go, go Chiefs. You know, if you're <laughs> local, it's it's all about the Chiefs. And so through the Kansas City Communications Council, they were able to introduce Brother Reed, Andy Reed, the coach mm-hmm. of the Chiefs. He's, he's a member of the church. Right. He's currently know, a member right. of the church. I mean, yeah. he's a member of the church, obviously, to our governor. And the governor invited him to come down to the governor's mansion, have dinner. I believe this was a year or so ago. So before the Super Bowl, if I remember right, it, it could have been after. But anyway, that's it, irrelevant. But the And then so we invited one of our local stake presidents to the meeting and him and his wife and then Elder Gifford of the 70. And I believe he played for the Houston Oilers, if I remember right. Yeah. Former BYU quarterback. Oh, was he? Uh Okay. You're a big sports fan. Uh I'm not, I don't follow it. I keep saying, do they, do they get a basket? Was that a, no, it's a touchdown, Rick. What's the deal? And, but he, so they invited Elder Gifford to go as well. And there was, they were all teasing about it after the dinner. I guess they were trying to put a Kansas City Chiefs tie on him. So for a picture for the, uh-huh. the church media. So I thought that was really great. Yeah. But again, it's so important to have those relationships early on. So if there is a big tragedy, like we had the tornado in Joplin, for example, we can just reach out and let people know what we have available. I mean, we can call directly because everybody inundates when there's a big something going on about the church or a big event or a natural disaster in our state or something like that. And if we already have the relationships, which now we do because the governor's met Brother Reed and Elder Gifford and our state president. So they were, we already have a relationship with him and now he understands who we are and who the church is. And so if, if anything comes up, it's a pretty simple way to, to reach out to them and they'll appreciate who we are and know who we are. So, yeah. yeah and these relationships like in that story, they, they start long before the disaster happens or the help is needed and, and to be proactive in, in using those. And oftentimes these relationships are established through a, a business relationship as well. And that's okay. Right. And, exactly. and being aware of 
the business connections and relationships in the, the members may have within a certain area and being aware of that and, and knowing that you can call upon those or make sure that those members in the loop of some of these relationship building efforts, right? Absolutely. And it would be effective everywhere. Even, you know, obviously in Utah, so many of you guys are already members, but yeah. you know, if there's relationships with the church and they have a local state president or a communications council that already has a relationship with your County commissioner or your local mayor or whatever, whether they're members of our faith or not, it's irrelevant. Yeah. And then the interfaith alliance is the same thing. Super important to us. Yeah. And I want to kind of dig into this relationship thing a little bit further because as I've spent some time with you here, just seeing how you're you're so well connected, but you like you're just a, a well established networker. And any tips you'd give to someone who's trying to do that? Like what are the daily habits or how do you effectively establish or effectively network so that these relationships can begin to to sprout? For me, it comes natural because I love people and I get energy from it. My wife's an introvert. I didn't even know what that was before we were married. So <laughs> I came, grew up in a family locally. You know, grandma gives you a hug no matter who you are when you show up at family dinners. And there's a big group of us, you know, every Sunday at gather and just everybody's welcome, all the neighbors and friends and people just gather all the time. And but I think anybody can do it because it's really about, you don't have to be a natural networker, a natural, because the Lord will definitely help you if you just get involved. We have a sister, I believe you interviewed your, her while you were here, and she's on some of the interfaith councils, and she's just the sweetest lady, sister, and just got involved and just loves all these people. And it, it doesn't take like a super networker to, to, to go volunteer because they all need help and they want us involved yeah. in their organizations. Yeah. So, and building relationships with each of these, you know, not just the religious groups or the media or government, you know, that all that's important too. I mean, academia, all those, you know, anybody that can impact the mission of the Church of Jesus Christ, the Latter-day Saints, that's what we're trying to do. And you can do it on a simple level. You don't have to be like best buddies with the local influencers, as my kids would say, dad, <laughs> that person's an influencer. I was like, what is that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Let's uh, talk about, you know, we talk about relationships, but what about with the media and, uh, you know, sometimes the media can uh, help or hurt, uh, you know, the church in a specific area. If maybe they have a misunderstanding. I don't know if it was in Missouri or elsewhere, but I remember some governor or leader said, you know, we like to thank two organizations that really helped with this effort, one being the yeah. the Mormons and the other being the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Like just those little things of helping the media understand or the local government that, no, that's actually the same organizations and we prefer that you not call us Mormons, right? Yeah. Like how do we create better relationships with the media and so forth so that uh, they are communicating in the right way about us. Yeah, absolutely. That's funny because that that actually happened in our region. It was, was over it? in Oklahoma City. Oh, okay. It may have happened other places too. I've heard that <laughs> story many times, but a bunch of us that went down, there was a huge tornado. It was probably 20 years ago. And they just, at the time, would ask them to go down there with chainsaws and help out. And honestly, we end up just, it was emotional. You know, the stake president had a relationship with the mayor already down there. They invite us in the community. We were all wearing matching. Back then, it wasn't the Mormon Helping Hands shirts, the yellow ones, but yeah. we all have matching shirts with the church logo on it that was bright orange. And but yeah, it was kind of funny because as we interacted with the community, that popped up, you know, that they thought there was these two different church groups when we had, I think somebody said 7,000 members from the region down wow. there. It was a huge tornado and just going to these communities and helping people dig through their stuff. But to answer your question with that, Recently, I've had really good relationships with some of the media and like the missionaries that were all coming home recently. There was a lady, fairly new reporter at our, one of our NBC affiliate TV stations here, and she reached out to me 
And she said, hey, I had a friend that served a mission. So she knew a little bit about the church and she grew up in St. Louis area. It's a similar area to where we are. There's not a ton of church members there, but she had a good friend that served a mission. She goes, I understand all your missionaries are being brought home because of COVID right now. And so I reached out to our, you know, our job is to get the stake presidents in front of them because they're the spokesman for the church. That's an important part of our training, but we had the relationship. So unfortunately, neither one of them were available. So they asked me to go ahead and do the interview. But she, when we were done and she kind of understood the church, I emailed her the style guide and a link to the church news site so she could understand. And I discussed with her how important it is to say the name of the church correctly mm-hmm. and how important that was to us. They still get it wrong all the time. Right. That, I think they're doing better. And as long yeah. as we can share that, that's the best thing we can do. Is, yeah. is it, and I, I always print it, hand it to them, and I also email it or text it back to them after I meet with the yeah. media before they run the stories. So, Or if it's going to be live, I try to get it to them ahead of time so yeah. they can hopefully introduce this as the correct name. That's been a big issue locally here, like at Churchwide. So. Yeah. And I love that, just that those little tips, because we like, we'd assume that they would recognize our name and, but there's so much history there. And, you know, we've been known as the Mormons for so long and just communicating to somebody in the media, like, this is really important to us when you get our name right. And so here's the name, like, we would love it if you got our name right in, in whatever content you produce. And I would imagine most media individuals would be happy to comply with that. Oh, absolutely. Another thing I've done that really has helped if we happen to be doing an event that we've invited them to at one of the stake centers here, there's two stakes in Springfield. So basically our two buildings are both stake centers mm-hmm. and I'll take them on a tour of the building while we're there, hmm. preferably before the report, but most of the time it's after, and then they go edit and then post it on the news that night. If it's TV or new, there's still a newspaper here that same thing. Yeah. So I would always invite them and rarely do they ever t- turn me down. I mean, most of the time I get to take them on a tour. So I go room by room. This is the Relief Society room. Explain the Relief Society and what they do. And they, I try to end up in our high council room because they have a, a wall with the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles. Mm. And I can explain to them about the restoration and how this is how the church leadership is run. And they usually have questions about church finance or how does it structure. And all of a sudden, we have this great discussion. So now, again, I have a great relationship with this particular lady, the NBC affiliate. So anything about the church, she calls me. I immediately get a phone call from her. So yeah. that that's really helped a lot. Just, yeah. you know, so it's not just do the new spot or get your stick present in front of them. And then we try to be very on point when we talk to them and kind of repeat the same phrases, you know, like our nativity event we put on for years. You know, we want people to know we believe in Christ. This is about the birth of Christ and try not to get off on, oh, we're also serving cookies. And yeah, you know, <laughs> it's going to be great. Right? Yeah, come on down. We have lots of hot chocolate. We don't, we don't have coffee, you know, we didn't yeah. get into all that. It's just, <laughs> So, yeah, and that's awesome. And that uh, I'm intrigued to learn well, anything else as far as with media relations that you want to mention before we move on? Or? Um, that's the main thing. I think it's just important, you know, to I'd like to give them the actual style guide from the church website. Yeah. So they have it directly from our media. And it's been updated. My understanding is on the Associated Press sites and stuff. Yeah, too. They, so they, they keep that updated pretty so, well. Yeah. So. so that really helps. And then they have to remind me just because I'm talk too much or whatever that I'm not the spokesman, you know, get the stick president in front of them or make sure that they're aware of what we're doing. You know, that yeah. we have their vision. I, they did reach out to me about when we'll go back to church. And I immediately texted both of our stick presidents here and they said, we have no comment. So in other words, don't talk to the media about it. Yeah. So I was able to actually, I referred her to a friend of mine. It's a pastor that lives on our street and give him an opportunity to meet some of the media. So it helped his church, which helps build my relationship now oh, as yeah. an interfaith with 
a fellow pastor that lives on my street to help build his church up a little bit. Too. Yeah, that, that's an interesting. So as you establish these strong connections, like one way to serve so well is to help other churches establish those same great connections you have, right? It's absolutely you don't just keep them for yourself because they're really good, right? Right. You know, and and share those with other churches that you're working with, so that uh, you can all benefit and create a good image, even for Christianity in general, exactly. right? In the area, right? Yeah, yeah. That's, and that was important to me to share that with the neighbor. Yeah. You know? So one unique um, characteristic you have in Springfield is just. 30, 40 minutes south of here is is Branson, Missouri. And uh, <laughs> a lot of people I don't think really understand, maybe until you're like 50 and over, do you understand what Branson, Missouri is? So how would you explain <laughs> what Branson, Missouri is? Um, some people joke. At the, the biggest point of it, there's about 100 shows down there. And we had quite a few, including the Osmond family. People's mm-hmm. probably heard of the Osmonds. Sure, the I hope you, so. You've heard of those guys? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway, they were, they were a big part of our stake. And um, there's four or five other families down there that run shows and big, successful shows, own their own theaters. Um, come come see them. They're great. If yeah. you're down this area, look me up and we'll introduce you to them. And whatever. you took me down there and it sort of has this feel of like a really family friendly Las Vegas, right? Like tons of shows, singers, uh, magicians. But you know, I don't. I don't think I saw one casino. There's no, no casinos there, right? They, like they've tried. It got oh, really? loaded down. But, <laughs> okay, but yeah, but it's can, really cool community of of great events. Right? Yeah, everybody jokes all the time. You can bring your grandkids. You can bring your grandma. Uh-huh. I mean, everybody can sit in the show and hear the jokes and laugh and, you know, nothing's going to be embarrassing. It's way better than TV clean yeah. even. So it's, and, and so the Osmonds were involved in there and I think they are still a little bit, but then there's all these other groups, singing groups that are Latter-day Saints uh, that found great success there. Yeah, absolutely. There's, and they're all in your stake. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That was funny because when you first, we spoke on the phone and you said, I said, well, Branson's in our stake. Why do I show you around Branson while you're in town? Introduce you to some people there if you want to interview. And you're like, all of it's in your stake? <laughs> the, like, the Utah boy in me was like, wait a minute. That's a large area. It's like, yeah, we're about 100 miles across, you know. And so Branson's a part of our stake. Springfield's split in the middle, so everything's south. We take in Branson, clear down. We actually have a unit in Arkansas as well. But we've been able to utilize their talent to build the kingdom of God here too. Yeah. So tell us how you did that. So back to that nativity event that I've mentioned to you. So 20 plus years ago, I was asked to be on this council and they created, they were trying to call it Crash and I kind of helped them change the name of it to nativity. It evolved into being nativity celebration. So we ran it for about 20 years at our stake center and we set up, we've had as many as I think 2000 nativity sets set up in the back of the gym. And then we open up, you can pick picture a typical stake center, you know, we open up the doors to the gym and the chapel. Mm-hmm. And then we put on, in essence, shows, which has been a little bit touchy sometimes for some of the members here or some of the leaders, because, I mean, we're bringing it and it's all Christmas and sacred music, but it yeah. can be a, it's a little more flashy than a little bit your more, typical yeah, yeah, yeah. sacramenting, yeah. you know, musical number. They're yeah. bringing in, you know, violins and horns and different instruments and uh-huh. even uh, drums for the drummer boy occasionally. So, oh, yeah. you know, which is pretty common in all the evangelical churches here. Yeah. But for us, it's really uncomfortable. So all of our and then we invite the whole community to come. But Branson's been a huge part of that. We're fortunate to have these amazing people Two years ago, David Osmond just happened to pop in, come up to the stake center because he heard about the event. And I caught him in the hall and I'm like, David, why don't you just sing a couple of songs, you know? And it was just um, impromptu. And we'd already had the Hughes brothers and the Duttons and some of these other great families, that group six or an acapella group down there. 
and they just they fill up our steak center like a like it's steak conference uh-huh. and of non-members, right? Yeah, all, you even fa- say tell the members to stay away because there's not enough room for them. Yeah, exactly. For <laughs> years, and we tried to politely because we don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. Or what. Obviously, <laughs> if you're trying to activate somebody, or we'll say, come on, we'll run it Thursday through Sundays. So we're like, come Thursday night if you can. Mm-hmm. You know, bring your family on Thursday night when it's not so busy. But you know, on a Saturday or Sunday night, a lot of times we'll have twelve or fifteen hundred people to the building, and it's probably fifty fifty of, you know, members to people outside of our faith that come. And the community has just loved it. And one of my assignments was originally was just put a sign out front. Well, the first year that didn't go real well. So we ended up building one the next year. and Like building a sign? Yeah, yeah. So we had a a permanent sign that we could just set out there, just inviting the community. And then we decorate the front of the building, all kinds of really neat stuff. But the main thing is those relationships again. So we print postcards and as many as 20,000 of them some of the years. We've done lower amounts d- depending on the stick present and their enthusiasm and, of course, budgets in the mm-hmm. church is always a big issue. So I take these postcards to all the pastors in the area, the local council of churches, and everybody just loves it because basically they can come see a free show at our steak center. Yeah, they probably pay 50, 60 bucks down yeah, in Branson yeah. to see it. <laughs> and they're professional shows. Yeah, yeah. So this is not like – and I, I'm not – I mean, you know, I don't know how I say it nicely. I mean, my <laughs> wife has a degree from BYU in music, so yeah. not everybody has that. Yeah, you right. Know, a right. lot of us, the, you wouldn't want to hear me sing at this nativity event, believe me. And, that, <laughs> and not to make jokes of some of our activities, but this is a very first class event that you would really be happy to bring your family to. And so as I've met a lot of the pastors up and down the area, I know we've had really good relationships with the, the Catholic Church from us. They would let us use their parking as overflow some of the years. And they would bring their youth groups and come. The whole youth group would just come over. And uh, there's a non-denominational Christian church. Uh, just even last year, I went during the week. It's similar to us. They're smaller. There's not just secretaries and big staff. But I knocked on the door and the pastor happened to come out. He was the only one in the building. And I said, hey, I just want to invite you to this event. He goes, thanks for doing that. I've brought my family every year to this event. I love that you guys put this on for our community. Mm-hmm. This was coming from the pastor. And he said, I brought my youth group a few times. And I said, well, thanks for coming. Please come back. And I invited him. So we had another whole element. It may be a shift of thought here, mm-hmm. but we do this big dinner as a part of it, if you want me to roll yeah, into that. Yeah. But our communications director, again, it's Ken Teague. I don't know if he wants my name, his name shouted out, but here he goes. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's a good guy. He's a great guy. You met him yesterday. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. he had a super idea a few years ago to set up like a luncheon as a part of our nativity. And we gave an award to one of the local media sources, a ra- big radio group, local and they've aired the Mormon Tabernacle Choir for I don't know how many years on their local rate, one of the radio yeah, Music in the spoken word, yeah, like every. Uh-huh. Yeah, or not. Well, it was Mormon Tabernacle Choir. Tabernacle, tabernacle Choir, Temple. Yeah, tabernacle, I got to get yeah. this all correct. So, <laughs> communication, you got to make sure all the terms that's are right, that's correct right. to use them with the community. But the community still knew them, obviously. Is that. But so we, we had a great luncheon, had their staff over, gave them an award, thanked them for, you know, being able to play on the radio, the choir. And that just evolved into a bigger event now where last year we probably had. 80 to 100 people come, and I think we had 50 or 60 different church pastors and local community service people. Like if they're involved in a charity, we invite them, and we send out real nice invitations, and we do a luncheon, and then we give somebody an award. We've given it out to Catholic charities or diaper banks of the Ozarks, or I'm trying to think of all the different awards we've been. So each year we would do this luncheon. So then then they could tour the building because we have it decorated for nativity. Mm-hmm. And it's generally the first week of December roughly or second week about there. So our building's decorated. We can take them on billing tour and they get to see. Originally when we started all this, I remember the stake president sitting down with me and he just said, 
I want people to know we believe in Christ. That was the purpose of this event. Mm -hmm. And now it's evolved into a community event where people look forward to coming every year outside our faith. Even in what I do with work, a fellow realtor in my office one day is like, hey, what uh, day's nativity this year? I brought my family last four or five years. He's asked me several times to get him an invitation. It's important to him. But that luncheon was amazing. Mm -hmm. That's really changed everything. And our stake president loves it. He's been a big part of that. We're going to probably discontinue, I understand, our nativity event because it is a big resource, you yeah. know, financially and on the members. But we're going to probably continue the lunch, it sounds like, cool. for the community leaders. So, and th that, like I said, has evolved into 80 to 100 people coming. Uh, a lot of volunteer pastors, a lot of charity groups, but uh, Catholic priests last year, for example, from our diocese, he came over. I was able to take him in a building tour and explain to him about our our church and That's cool. how it works. And, you know, we same thing. We ended up in a high council room and I introduced him to our prophets and apostles and explained how that worked. And he just loved it. He yeah. thanked me over and over and over. And they happened to be having a um, zone conference. We had 20 or 30 missionaries sitting in the high council room all crammed in there. Oh, too. Nice. So they're like, oh, hey. Yeah. <laughs> so it was really fun. I, I but again, our job is not to convert or even try to right. share testimony, but just really share about Christ. Yeah. And then, you know, so we can all work together with all these people. We're not trying to steal their parishioners and vice versa. You know, it's about love and connections to all these yeah. other churches in the community. And I love this, the, the concept of leveraging the church building and, and the concept of church tours. I remember as a missionary, just finding great success. And when I could get somebody learning about the church to the church and to see the rooms and be comfortable with it, it really made a difference. So I want to ask you uh, just one caveat here is you mentioned giving an, an award to somebody in the community. And I think that's a great idea to establish goodwill with, you know, other organizations. Any tips on how local stake or could put together an award to give it like a public affairs award for somebody in the community? Yeah, absolutely. So the communication <clears throat> council will pick somebody. We, and we don't generally put on events. Our job's to support the stakes and encourage them to do at least a big event a year, whether it's a family history seminar or a preparedness seminar or like a nativity event like we were doing, some of those kind of things. And we support the stakes, try to help do the promotional part of it, invite the media, because we should have relationships with, with the mm -hmm. politicians and the local, you know, college professors, whatever. So basically, you can even just, we sometimes I believe on there's some really great training on the church website. If you have the calling, you mm -hmm. can see it. If you go under service and callings and communication council, if you're not in the calling, you're not going to see any of the information there. So make sure that they add you in LDS tools. Yeah. Anyway. So yeah, yeah, whatever. That's good. That. <laughs> MLS or <laughs> whatever. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> anyway, make sure your calling's in there and you'll see all the training. But I believe they call it Dinners for 10 or something like that. And there's a, some forums in there that discuss it that can really help you. And so it doesn't have to be a big group. You can invite like a school teacher who's doing amazing things in your community, no matter how big or small your ward is or your town is or whatever. If there's a teacher just doing some really great things, recognize them, show mm -hmm. them love, and then just invite them over. And again, we're not in any way trying to convert them or say, come to our church, you know, right. that if they want yeah. to, great, we'd love to have them. But if not, they may be very active in their church. So do you give them some type of like physical award or, yeah, or yeah. So certificate we'll, or what? like the charities, we were able to donate some money to them. Those are bigger events though, but okay. like a local school teacher or whatever. Yeah. We'll type up a nice award and usually get them a, a gift card and maybe like a Christus. That's really popular right now oh, yeah. to give out. So you can get those fairly inexpensively, such a beautiful, you know, symbol of the church right now. And we're able to hand those to people and that's something they can have in their home and cherish and just tell them, hey, we appreciate what you're doing in the community. Or even if it's a 
a media person, like I said, or a, a local politician or whatever. I mean, you, they don't have to be on your same team, whatever. It's okay. Yeah. Just bring them over and show them love and yeah. tell them we appreciate what they're doing. And and so, you know, we call it dinner of 10 is what it's generally called in communication. So you, you get maybe 10 people to show up and then invite, we mail them an invitation or hand it to them and tell them we want to give them an award. And we've never been turned down so far. I mean, people like that. They appreciate, you know, or if it's a school teacher, maybe the kid that, that nominate them, we can have a nice invitation from them. They can hand their teacher and say, Hey, at church next month, we're doing this thing. We want to give you an award for yeah. what you've done. I appreciate you being such a great teacher. So, so anybody that has anybody they know, their kid can do it, whatever. You don't have to have all these like amazing skills or relationships to put one of these dinners together. It's, it's really simple and it doesn't have to cost a ton of money. Everybody can kind of potluck it. And so, yeah, do yeah, that's helpful. Put it in the relief study room or it can be, a, you know, we prefer to do it at church, not at someone's homes. Cause that way we can show them where yeah, we are. The church tour, right? Yeah. I mean, church tour, the whole thing. Yeah. That's Absolutely. awesome. So going back to sort of the main principle we started on, just considering local talent, the local resources, local membership. I mean, it's going to look different. Not not everybody has uh, you know Branson, Missouri down the street, but there's there's ways to leverage that those local skills and talents and and uh, contribute to community in that way. So yeah, absolutely. You just just having again those relationships and and knowing who they are. You may have somebody that's. And they don't have to be at the top of the chain or whatever. Like we have several big Bass Pro and O'Reilly is based out of here. You know, if somebody happens to know the CEO of one of those companies, you uh -huh. know, it's, it's great to, to invite them over to the church for something. Yeah. It's not come to church Sunday. It's, Hey, we're having this dinner. Thanks for what you've done in our community to provide jobs or, you know, yeah. but you may have a church member to answer your question. That's already on board of directors there or whatever. You just have to, one of our jobs is to be aware of who all those people are. So if we have a need, we can reach out and say, Hey, is there any way you guys can donate from your, you know, those are big companies. They have lots of money so we can get them involved with the church on some project we're doing or, uh, you know, whatever it is. The main thing is having those relationships for if there's a need that arises from yeah. that. So awesome. Well, this has uh, been really helpful. Any principle or point that uh, we need to sneak in here before we wrap up or do um, we cover it? I want to share one other thing, if you have time, just yeah. an experience we had with the local Assemblies of God. The previous superintendent and their church has about 69 million members, a really a huge organization. Wow. Yeah. I think I drove you by and you got to yeah, see some of the, yeah. you know, like I said, this is kind of their Salt Lake City. But we wanted to, somebody mentioned that we need a relationship with their current guy. They had changed leadership roles. And uh, just through connections, fortunately, it was so great. A friend of a friend, basically, that's in real estate with me, knew the head of their organization. And I just asked him and he grew up with him. He's like, oh, you mean Pastor Doug? Uh -huh. And so we were able to set up a meeting, introduce our stick presence to the head of their church. So we have a relationship with him now, like we did the previous superintendent. And again, this is, it's about just showing love. And, and it was such a powerful experience. I was able to attend the first meeting. And now I understand Elder Bednar is going to be able to meet with him as well. And Elder Martino from the 70, but he, he was so kind and so generous and, and everybody worries, oh, what's the relationships between the evangelicals and members of the church and some of those things. And I didn't feel any animosity. He was very loving and very receptive of having us. And we discussed what we can do to help build their church, you know, and what we have in common with the homeless in our community or what we have in common that, that causes that we need to, but as we we're leaving, this was my favorite part. We all stood up and we had given him a Christus he could have in his office. And then he just said, is it okay if I offer a word of prayer for you guys? Hmm. And he said a beautiful prayer. 
and just it just it was so great because that's really what it's about is this love between you know the community leaders that we have here in our community and be able to be a part of that. It was just a powerful, powerful experience for me. And I hope, I hope he doesn't mind me sharing all this publicly. He seemed like a pretty open guy, but anyway, he's really amazing. And I'm so glad that we were able to, to meet him and build a relationship. So the leaders of our church can meet with the leaders of their church now and have a relationship if, you know, occasion arises. He first thing he mentioned when he came in, he said he'd like a tour of BYU sometimes. Oh yeah. I was wearing a BYU tie. So nice. Nice. (laughs) So that was pretty funny. But no, I think that about covers it. The, okay. the only other thing I would say, and I kind of mentioned a minute ago, if even if you're not on the communications council, it's okay to, if you know people, let the communication council know. If you know them well enough that you have their phone number in their phone, that's amazing. So get those and help us set relationships up with some of the, the community leaders. And that really does amazing. And you don't have to be an expert. I've joked for years like, you could call me to be the ward organist if you feel inspired. I know nothing about music, but the Lord will build that. And I might have to take lessons for two years, but eventually, you know, and that's what communications is. You don't have to be an expert in it or already have the the talents or skills. So if, if you can just do that, I was going to read one short quote. If you have time. Yeah. This one, you can go back in Doctrine and Covenants section 109 and the Kirtland Temple Prayer. The prophet Joseph talked about, the hearts may be softened when the servant shall go out from thy house. And he says to bear testimony of thy name. And he asked specifically about kings and princes and noble ones and great ones of the earth, that their hearts will be softened as we go out. And then President Monson, this was the one I was actually going to read, he says, I would encourage members of the church, wherever they may be, to show kindness and respect for all people everywhere. The world is in which we live is filled with diversity. We can and should demonstrate respect toward those who have beliefs differ, different from ours. So I would just encourage everybody to, if you don't have a communications council in your state, get one rolling. You encourage your stake president. And it's really fun to meet with yeah. the community and just have the love. And it's been great being a part of this. Yeah. Well, awesome, Rick. This has been great. And I appreciate your uh, your kindness of uh, getting me here and uh, introducing me to some great people that uh, will pop up throughout the podcast in the next coming months. Last question I have is you reflect on your time being a leader, you know, in, in communications and in public affairs. Uh, how has being a leader in that context made you a better follower of Jesus Christ? You know, I love that question. I've heard you ask a few people the last few yep. days. I should have reflected on a little bit more. But <laughs> I think for me, the example of people outside our faith that we are able to meet really builds my testimony. And I see all the great things that everybody's doing. I think at least maybe at the point I got off my mission, I was just had blinders on that we're the true church, you know? And I just, my heart's really softened from that. And I feel the love of Christ grow in my heart. And I love feeling the Holy Ghost, you know, as a constant companion for me. And a big part of that is the witness I have from meeting the Catholic priest or the the pastor at the Assemblies of God or whatever, and seeing the great work that they're doing is really strengthened my testimony and, and being in this role. I don't know if I call myself a leader, but more networking and communications, but being able to meet these people and see all the, the great things they're doing in our community to build the kingdom of God in their own ways with the homeless or the hungry and, and all the outreaches that they're doing. And they're great, sincere, loving people. And it's certainly strengthened my testimony of Christ in my life and helped build my testimony. Today, I'm in Springfield, Missouri, with Deanna Carpenter. How are you, Deanna? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Well, I've had been in town for 
I don't know, a couple of days now, and I've been able to connect and meet with various people about uh, different leadership callings and opportunities. And you sort of in, are in a unique calling. So maybe tell us what your calling is and, and how it came to be. Okay. So my husband and I are service missionaries for the Arkansas Bentonville Mission as part-time service missionaries. So we don't proselyte, but we don't work under just serve either. That was a unique calling that worked with our stake president and with our mission president in creating a kind of a new mission experience so that we work with public affairs and the stake in creating service opportunities that create interfaith and other agencies together with our members. Yeah. And this came from your stake president just felt inspired to maybe create this this type of opportunity, but it's not... I mean, what do you know any of the background of why why it wasn't just a just serve thing or why it wasn't a public affairs thing? You know, it's interesting because he had a vision that wasn't completely solidified, but he just knew that we needed to be missionaries and not yeah. as a stake calling. And that has actually opened doors by wearing my mission name tag, oh, cool. my missionary name tag, and yeah. being able to relate. And people see my tag and go, oh, you're with the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and you're a missionary, and but just doing service and not proselyting, I think it was inspired. He didn't really have a f- complete vision, like I said, but he had a vision enough to know that we needed to be missionaries. And that has opened doors in ways that if we were just in a state calling, it wouldn't have. Yeah. I love to hear things like that because it's so easy sometimes to stay within the box, you know, but to really sit back and for a leader to say, what does my area really need? Like, what can we develop and do that's going to make a difference? And and this sort of came out of it. And it's maybe not a calling you'd find in a specific handbook, though, you know, there's service missionary opportunities, but it's great. And it sounds like it's been a great experience. How long have you been in this uh, mission? We are on year three. Oh, really? So wow. it was a call for one year, and then we renewed it for a year, and then we've renewed <laughs> it for another year. Great. <laughs> so we're going on three years, and we've talked about it. We said, you know, really to develop the relationships and make a difference in the community, you cannot do it for a short time. So really, I think it needs to be five to seven years. I know yeah. that sounds long, but you know, in other faith communities, they don't pass the baton back and forth. Mm -hmm. You develop a relationship with a person and with entities that you just can't pass the baton to. It just doesn't work like that. And so you need to be in it for the long haul. (laughs) Yeah, that's so true that we have a tradition in our faith that, you know, you serve for a while and then we we switch up, you know, and uh, other than maybe a stake president or a bishop or things, but to recognize that this is maybe a calling that if, if it's about building relationships, it's going to take some time. It will. Yeah. It will. And they don't understand, other faith communities don't understand our organizational structure mm-hmm. and how we do that very well. You know, they're in it, they're called as, you know, reverend so-and-so in their organization for years and years and your youth pastor and whoever else. And we switch up so often that they don't know then who the next person is to call. So having something that's consistent out there in the community, I think is a a benefit that we need to try to do in every community if we can. Yeah, that's so true that, you know, that they can be quite confused or or maybe uh, resist building a relationship because, you know, how long are you really going to be around, you know, and uh, but knowing that you'll be around will be helpful. So, and you have some great principles here we discussed and we'll go through here. And I think though you're not officially, you know, a public affairs person, a lot of what you do relates to the principles that somebody would seek out in a public affairs calling. So we'll probably, you know, talk about these things both 
maybe in the just serve realm or in the in the public affairs realm or whatever it be. So anything else as far as a foundational item to before we jump into the, these principles? Well, I, I think if you are somebody in a leadership position thinking maybe I want to have somebody like have this mission in our area, find somebody that already has a connection in the community somehow. You oh, yeah. you know, somebody that's doing service already that cares about the community, you can't teach that piece. You know, you can teach them the logistics or public affairs kind of principles or way to do things, but love of service and a community connection, I think they already have to have that foundation to be able to be presented with this opportunity, if that makes sense. Yeah. So for you, where did that foundation come from? Like, have you always just been involved in community events or how did that you know, a lot form. of the community events we hadn't been involved in, but we've been involved in in serving the community. So we actually started a nonprofit of our own called Holiday and Hospitals oh, wow. several years ago. And it stemmed from one of our children having a vision that she was sad that there were people in the hospital. She didn't care that daddy had to work on Christmas Day. She was upset that there were people that couldn't go home on Christmas Day. Gotcha. And then when she realized 85% of the people in the hospital don't have a single visitor during their stay, wow, it really upset her. So we ended up creating a, a nonprofit that goes into the hospitals and visits patients and gives gifts on holidays like Christmas, Easter, Halloween. And so because of that connection and that desire and with other things that we've done in addition to that, I think that we were looked at as a potential candidate to go out in the community and see what else we could do. Wow. So you were sort of already engaged in these community efforts, right? right. In your own way. That's right. great. So let's start jump into the first principle here that you talked about as far as the need and the importance of being personable and, and relatable. What do you mean by that? So when you go out and you meet people in the communities, you need to not have a preconceived agenda and try to make that relationship based on that agenda. Hmm. You're making a relationship based upon something you would do in ministering. So if I was going to go to your house and minister to you, I need to actually care about you as a person and what you're dealing with on a personal level, business level, spiritual level, same thing out in the community. So when I go into an agency and I meet with a director, I just need to realize they're a person and say, how are you doing? And relate to them, you know, on a family level, ask them about their children, their lives, you know, as it's appropriate, as it comes up, as we meet together. I mean, I don't go in there and grill them questions at the beginning to get to know them, but just as you work alongside of them, you get to know them and see what are their needs. So if they mention something to you while you're visiting them and say, oh man, we're out of markers again. Wow. What kind of markers? Yeah. Then you run to the store and you go grab those markers and you bring them back, you know, and then they, oh, wow, you listened. I didn't even tell you I needed markers. Well, you mentioned you needed markers. Yeah. <laughs> and so I brought you some markers. You know, when you minister to somebody, you don't think, well, they need X, Y, and Z because I want them to have X, Y, and Z. You notice and you listen, and then you find out, oh, they need X, Y, and Z. So I'm going to help them with X, Y, and Z. Yeah. You know, because it doesn't do you any good to try to work towards something that they don't need. Yeah. And I bet like it's just easy. Like in the beginning, it's it's like one agenda meeting another agenda, right? There's not one person meeting another person. It's like, all right, what do you want? And how's it going to help me get what I want and or our organization want? And that's not a good place to be, right? No, this is not a 
a business model to a business model yeah. to see what's in it for each one of us, yeah. right? It needs to be, I'm solely in it for you, period. That is it. So for example, there was a nativity luncheon that we did and we invited different faith leaders to this agency luncheon. This was when we first started and I didn't know anybody in the community. And afterwards, there was a lady there, her name is Sister Diane, who was trying to find who did the centerpieces and the take-homes. Well, I did them, uh-huh. you know? So they connected me to her and she says, oh, she's Catholic. And Sister Diane says, I am doing this, this uh, take-homes and centerpieces for a conference that we're doing. Would you help me figure this out? Sure. I don't even know who she is, what she's tied to, what her position is. Does it matter? No. If anybody else asked me if I could help them make table decorations for something, I would say, sure, come right. on over. Yeah. So we met several times and I had no idea. I went to my first Council of Churches meeting. Guess who was there? Sister Diane. Yeah. I was so nervous to go in. I had somebody to sit by who I knew because I had been meeting with her for a few times. I went to my first Interfaith Alliance meeting. Who was there? Sister Diane. He sat right next to her. So as this relationship unfolded and was helping her make these centerpieces, lo and behold, it's for a worldwide event with the Catholic St. Francis Conference (laughs) with big wigs. Had no idea. We actually made all the centerpieces, all the take-homes. I invited some LDS friends of mine. She invited some of her top Catholic friends of hers. We sat in my house and made these things for a few days. And I had no idea. But during the St. Francis Conference, huge screens that like project things. She said, oh, by the way, we thanked you and clapped. They put our church's name up there on their screen and said, the Church (laughs) of Jesus Christ, Latter-day Saints helped us provide all the centerpieces and things. I was like, oh, but that wasn't what was in it for me. What was in it for me was just helping this lady, period. That was it. And then you fast forward from that time forward a little. We're sitting in a Council of Churches award thing in October. And our church had been nominated for a collaboration award. And we all sat there when, what did we do? What did we collaborate on? I don't remember creating an event and asking somebody to collaborate at this. That was it. Wow. Her faith group, the Catholic Church, had nominated us and we won this award. It was the first time we'd ever won an award in our community on that level. I was just helping somebody create centerpieces. Yeah. You know, so that's where it stems from is the, unselfish, no strings attached. What does that person need? Okay. And it might go somewhere. It might not. Yeah. In this case, it did. It really turned into a great connection. It did. Yeah. That's awesome. Anything else as far as uh, ways to be more personable or or real with individuals? I think you need a, a real background. I don't know how to put that other than you know, sometimes we have this stereotypical mommy, Molly Mormon kind of, you know, you've got a perfect little family and you do this and you do X and you do, you know, all these things. Well, you know, I come from an inactive family. Hmm. I have things that, you know, we've struggled with, with our children. One had suicide ideations, self-harming, another one with eating disorders, found out that two of our children are bisexual. And we've had to work through real issues Mm -hmm. and real things in our lives. So I can relate to people in a way that I can't. So when I go out in the community and I meet with the Glow Center, which is one of our LGBTQ support groups, I have a real understanding of what families and people are are going through. I'm just not there. I I think that by going through things, we 
soften, we change. Maybe we're not so opinionated. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? And, yeah. I, and I think we get out there in the community with our with our high aspirations and our big opinions about everything. And that is not going to help you create relationships. So for example, Sister Diane, she said, I really want you to meet this head person over the school so that maybe you guys could do a youth collaborative, right? So we went to lunch and we sat there. And what was interesting is just as we were talking, how's your family? How's life? She opened up to me and said, well, you know, we're, we're struggling with one of our children. I said, do you want to talk about it? I mean, totally safe spot here at lunch. And mm-hmm. she goes, well, and she kind of hemmed and hawed for a little bit, you know, and I said, it's totally fine not to. I said, I, I just could see some pain in you. And if, if you want to share, I just want you to be able to have that opportunity. Also, well, she shared that one of her children had come out just within the last week or two as bisexual, and she didn't know how to handle it. And she didn't know what to do. And they were self-harming and having suicide ideation thoughts. Uh-huh. And I could sit there and look in her eyes and say, I get it. Wow. You know, let me just love you. And what do you need? And she said it was the only person she had told outside of her husband and her. And she was struggling with certain things. And we just talked about him. That's what I mean about getting yeah. personal. Yeah, because I don't imagine we um, we want to lead with our best foot forward. And that sometimes unintentionally makes us want to uh, put up a facade that oh, everything's great in our faith. And, you know, we're happy and we don't have any problems. Right. And and why bring all this uh, messiness in, into it? But that's where the realness is and where connections born is when you say like, you know, I struggle too, you struggle, you know, let's let's be real together. Right? Exactly. You're not going to open up and create a tight relationship if you're not willing to show your vulnerabilities. Yeah. Yeah. It's powerful. Um, the, the next one sort of uh, is related to this as far as, uh, you know, like we mentioned earlier, as far as walking, sometimes it's easy to walk in with somewhat of an agenda or a passive aggressive agenda, right? You're wanting something out of this organization or church, or you want them to help with something, but really you talk about just, just listening and trying to find the need without any agenda attached. Any, anything else you'd add to that? And so I'm, you know, with, without trying to, you know, say anybody does anything wrong because I see some of those things sure. w- yeah. within our stake. Uh-huh. Um, so I don't want anybody to feel bad if they were potentially listening to this and <laughs> I tell yeah. a story, but for example, you, you know, you, you go into an agency because you want to collaborate on a big project and you can't go into that agency and say, so this is great. All these things that you're doing for the community, this is wonderful. How about you and I do a big project together? Do you have a big project you want to do? What What should we do? And this happened. And they look at you like, well, we don't do big projects. We do all this stuff on a daily basis and we do this and we do this. And you're like, oh, well, that's great. And they tell you that they need volunteers on a daily basis, on a regular basis, or they're short with supplies for this area of what they're doing. And all that just goes right through your head because all you can focus on is, I've got to get that big collaborative event figured out and get them on board, right? Mm -hmm. So this person just leaves there thinking, oh, well, have a nice day. I guess if you think of a big thing for us to do, let me know. That's not helpful. Yeah, You know, what you need to go do is listen and see all the entities of what they do and say, oh, your short supply is here. Let me think. Could we get commodities from Salt Lake? Could we maybe use some of our humanitarian funds for that or or do a 
you know, a donation drive. What could we do there? Maybe we can't help there. What about volunteers? Are you guys on Just Serve? And really focus on what they're telling you and what their needs are. And then beyond that, like when I went to one of these agencies and they're like, we really need to spruce the outside of our thing, our place up because we're changing our name and we're finally, there were some things going on and great. We'll add it for a big youth project we're doing. We'll paint, we'll put rocks out. And I said, okay, Rod, beyond paint and rocks and doing landscaping, really, if you had your dream, what else would be out here? Mm-hmm. And he's like, well, you know, the people, this was at addiction recovery place. He said, the people really don't have a lot to do as they're trying to recover. He says, well, maybe like, you know, if they had something to do like outside, he said, well, what would that look like to you? Again, I'm not trying to take my vision on him. What would that look like to you? Uh He said, well, horseshoe pit. He goes, yeah, I think that they would use a horseshoe pit. He goes, but I don't expect you to do a horseshoe pit. You're doing all this other stuff. Well, let's, let's play with that idea. Yeah. So when we painted and did rocks, we built a horseshoe pit. Not very much money, not very much time, but it went beyond just what his needs were and went to a want and gave them something more than just paint and rocks. So when you're thinking about you know service opportunities and ideas and somebody says, oh, well, yeah, you can come in and do this and that, maybe just push it a little more and say, okay, what's beyond that list? Yeah, because I imagine the, the temptation with, public affairs or service or just service, you want to do the the big event or, you know, where there's a big community event on maybe on a Saturday and the media is there yeah. and you're handing toys to children, they're crying and it feels like we are making a difference when in reality it's like, no, the food pantry just needs uh, some more post-it notes or, or whatever it is, right? And that would really just help them move things along with their established mission they've already have. Right? Exactly. And they can feel that. People can sense whether or not you're listening to them and willing to go to the place that they need versus your own agenda. And they'll stop talking to you. Yeah. I will. And that's and that's sad, right? We, yeah, we missed the opportunity. Sad. Yeah, exactly. Nice. Anything else with uh, listening that uh, hasn't been mentioned? You know, I would say also make sure that individually. So, you know, for example, one of the ladies that's in the Interfaith Alliance had heart surgery. And so she needed some help with some things. Well, her community rallied around her to give her some things. But we also then said, well, what do you need beyond that? And we actually created freezer meals and stuck them in her freezer for a month. Just thinking about the individual and not just the agency or just the faith organization that you want to collaborate with. Because if they see that you're walking the walk, you say you're Christ-like. You say you want to do service and love but only with these parameters and only under these conditions, you're going to see right through that. Hmm. But if you're really just doing it, you know, go just visit them in the hospital, see what they need. Like we helped the Islamic Center do a fundraiser for a new mosque. Now, that wasn't our faith that did that. That was my husband and I with a few friends that did that and had hmm. a big thing that we did. And so it's not always that you have to tie the church or a ward or missionaries or an organization back in. A lot of it you just do, you know, as you develop that relationship and see those things. Some of it you just do on your own for the individual. Yeah. And then somebody may hear this and see that there's a need for this type of position in their area. Maybe you run through some tips or ideas or how they would go about uh, about doing that. Sure. If you are 
thinking, well, I would like to have somebody do this kind of thing in my community. Yeah. I would find somebody that has some community connections or some service that they're already doing. I think that that's really important. I also would find somebody that can respect other faiths. So they believe in their faith as much as we believe in our faith. And respecting that is huge and not minimizing it. So, you know, respecting the other faith cultures are different so that when you go into those other faith cultures, you learn and grow from them. So one of the things I would say is in this calling, I have learned that there's so much goodness in all these other faiths and all these other cultures. And there's some things that they are way advanced than our church. So hmm. I think that their cultures are much more Christ-like than sometimes our culture in some of our wards. You know, they're much more loving and accepting of somebody coming in and smelling like smoke or an LGBTQ person or a single mom or somebody with tattoos. And our culture is sometimes one of shaming. So find somebody that is accepting of that so that when they go out in the community, they're not shaming trying to do this work because you can't, you can't do that. If you work in a, in a city that has more than one stake or more wards, then making sure you understand there really are no artificial boundaries. So you need to work across those boundaries to be able to help the whole city. And those leaders in those stakes need to work together and play nice together and be a team together. Following up after service is very important. So a lot of times we'll connect a ward or an individual or a whole stake or any entity to an agency to do some work. My relationship with that agency is what I want to hold intact and is important to me. So let's say I have you and your group assigned to go out there. I'm going to make sure that you know information about that agency and what it's like. But then I'm also going to follow up with that agency afterwards. And I'm going to say, you know, hey, Carol, how did that go? Did they get everything done? Was it smooth? Were they nice? And they might say, everything was beautiful and perfect. That was amazing. Or they might say, you know, they left some things and they didn't quite get this and this done. So then you follow up and you make sure all those things really get finished or everything so that they're happy. Yeah. You know, so the follow-up to me is, is incredibly important. I would also say projects, projects that are ongoing are much more fruitful than one-time projects. So I want to do this big giant thing and check it off and let's have this big whatever media is not going to be as effective as just saying, you know, we're going to adopt this one agency. Let's say you're a bishop and you just say, we need to do more service in our ward and I want our ward to have some experiences. Go find an agency in your area, get connected with them and then do service for a long time with them, you know, once a month, every quarter, whatever it might be, but adopt that agency and just kind of take them under your wing and develop a relationship. That's so much better than saying, okay, the young men are going to do this thing. And then the young women are going to go do this other agency. And, and it's a hodgepodge. I think that if members developed a relationship with one agency, they would have a taste of service and connection that would be much more lasting than bopping around agencies. That's that's my opinion about yeah, that. Yeah. And then one of the other things is don't pass the baton too fast. So if I develop a relationship with an agency and then 
somebody else comes in and says, hey, thanks for setting that up for this. We've got it. And they just kind of take it away. That that agency has a relationship with me. So I need to stay with that agency for a while. So for example, we had another missionary couple that were called to the Southern side of our stake. And so as they're trying to figure out things, and instead of just giving them a list of here's all my connections and my contacts, which is what we tend to do. Mm-hmm. Here's the public affairs list of important, influential people. Call them and pass my name and you know what I mean? Throw yeah. my name out there. And that's not very helpful, you know, where they say, well, let's just meet at lunch and I'll have you introduce you to them. And, and then they kind of walk away. I think it's more important that we do things together for a little while as they develop a relationship with that new person. And then you step back. Far too often, we are quick to, you know, for example, if we have a faith organization that we're developing a relationship with, and then you bring in another priesthood authority to meet them, sometimes that priesthood authority is like, thanks for doing the boots on the ground work. I've got it from here. And they don't include you in meetings going forward for at least a little while. Sometimes that relationship, suffers. Mm. That person needs the connection that they have with the initial person for a little while as they work into the next people. I don't know if that makes sense how I said that. I mean, like you said, it's being very slow with passing that baton rather than just because in callings, it's like one week you like hand the the manual off, right? Like now you're the guy, right? And away we go. But this, this type of calling and service opportunity is much different and needs to be a slower transition. It does. And In our culture, that is very unique for us. We pass the baton with callings all the time. We know how that works. But the outside world and other faith communities and in other organizations don't do that. They don't understand that. And then they feel like, was this real? Was this really a relationship where you cared about my agency or my faith group? Or was it just an assignment that you passed me off to the next person now that is wearing your hat? Yeah. And you don't want to cause confusion on their end, right? Exactly. And one thing that's very interesting is our faith organization does not have addresses to mail things to. I don't know if you're aware of this. (laughs) (laughs) This is a huge obstacle in the work that we do. So they're like, there's no phone number for you guys. There's no address listed. We don't know how to get in. We've tried for years to ask your faith to be a part of something. We can't get a hold of you. We don't know how to do that. Boy, If I could tell Salt Lake one thing, get an address and get a phone number. I have heard that so many times. So make sure that people have that information of somehow, I said, I will be the church address and I will be the church phone number until I'm gone. Yeah. Yeah. There, you know, someplace somewhere, there's a clerk's office that has a phone ringing, but nobody's there. Like nobody's you know, there on a Wednesday morning to answer it, you know, and so, right. <laughs> and so there needs to be, you know, that's a great point, right? figuring right. that out. So. Figure that piece out. Awesome. Well, this has been really insightful and inspiring. And I think there's, it's just helpful to hear that, you know, here's stakes that are trying something different and finding success in it and, you know, calling missionaries or in, in a service capacity and, and uh, seeing progress in the area. Well, last question I have for you, Deanna, is uh, as you reflect on your time now, three years or so that you've uh, been in this leadership role in the community, you know, as a service missionary, how has leading made you a better follower of Jesus Christ? 
I don't know if I consider myself necessarily a leader <laughs> mm-hmm. in this, first of all. I mean, I'm going out there and I'm doing work and I'm trying to coordinate things, but in the efforts that we're doing, I am seeing more, more goodness and more Christ-like behavior in the community as a whole that I didn't know existed. And as I see people's true intentions outside our faith, it's made me reflect on our faith. And sometimes I wonder, how can I help bring some more of the pureness of serving people in the community that other faiths do so naturally back to our faith? We have true principles of the gospel. We have the fullness, right? But I think sometimes we lack in going out and helping our community to the same level that other faith organizations are. And so that's what made me reflect. How can I be more Christ-like? How can I help others within our faith be more Christ-like? Is bringing service more so into our faith group so that people taste of that? Once you have a taste of it, you don't want to go back. I mean, it's addictive, right? Service and true service without any other plan or intent is like a drug almost, right? So once we can help members taste that, I think we taste something that Christ has always known all along as he serves. And we we become his hands in helping do the work and help it go forward in a way that we couldn't do it otherwise. I don't know if that really answers your question, but my testimony in Christ grows because I see Christ-like service around me and it inspires me to want to do more Christ-like service myself and to include more people in it so that they taste that sweetness. That concludes this How I Lead segment. Awesome that we got this calling of public affairs covered. Now, obviously we haven't, uh, it probably should be future episodes of public affairs, but there's a lot of leadership callings in our religious experience, right? So we've got to cover other things. I think next month, unless I change my mind or something happens, but in November of 2020, I'm going to uh, feature a How I Lead segment all about Sunday School Presidents. And I had the opportunity to interview a phenomenal past Sunday School President in Springfield, Missouri, and uh, you're going to enjoy that. But we need one more to go with it, as we typically do these in pairs. So if you know of somebody who is a current or past Sunday School President who is phenomenal, who really had an intentional approach, had principles, had organization, like whatever it is, if if they were a phenomenal Sunday school president anywhere in the world, hopefully they speak English, we would love to have them on the Leading Saints podcast. So go to leadingsaints.org slash contact, reach out to me there, and would love to hear it. And I remind you once again to text the word LEAD to 474747 in order to subscribe to the Leading Saints weekly newsletter. It came as a result of the position of leadership which was imposed upon us by the God of heaven who brought forth a restoration of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And When the declaration was made concerning the own and only true and living church upon the face of the earth, we were immediately put in a position of loneliness. The loneliness of leadership from which we cannot shrink nor run away, and to which we must face up with boldness and courage and ability.